Welcome to the podcast. We have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about Marty's trip to Palm Springs. We're going to talk about how my dishwasher broke and how I'm totally done with snow. We're going to talk about virtual events like graduations and conferences, the recent news about Jeff Bezos stepping down from Amazon, recent vaccine side effects, and COVID causing some mental health issues. We're also going to talk about two exciting uh, news items out of the White House, one of them being that in the United States, everyone now can have access to the vaccine. We're also going to talk about President Biden's announcement of making internet more accessible, particularly to rural Americans. We're also going to talk about New York and their recent law to make low-cost, high-speed internet available to low-income households. We're also going to talk about online-only textbooks, Domino's new pizza delivery robots, and Facebook's oversight board and their decision to postpone um, any formal decision in regards to President Trump's suspension. All this and more coming up on the Sunday Brunch. Enjoy. Welcome to the Sunday Brunch, a weekly news show where we talk about tech, science, medicine, and of course, some nerdy stuff. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Marty. How has your week been? Hey, Matt. The week has been pretty good. I have to say that my um, real accomplishment was playing hooky, going up to my friend's place in Palm Springs, and spending a day in 95 degrees at a pool with a Malibu guava juice based drink in my hand <laughs> and a little sunburn to show for it. <laughs> well, that I've never been to Palm Springs, but it's snowing in Colorado right now. That's what my life is like right now. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not smug at all. Uh, you can be smug. You, you, it's okay. It's okay. Palm Springs will get to 120 degrees very shortly. And then the people in Colorado in their summers, which are pretty idyllic once the tornadoes and hailstorms end, um, <laughs> will be making fun of those in, in the warmer weather. But it was quite, and, and the wildfires and the smog <laughs> and, the, and the other things that we have in Southern California during the summer that are kind of difficult to deal with. But I... I I would love to escape to Colorado um, in the later summer because those are some of the most beautiful summers ever that last a short time, but are amazing. How was your week? Uh, well, it, it was pretty good, um, except, you know, one of the most critical appliances during COVID, um, our dishwasher stopped working. And which, which I don't know about you, but during COVID, it seems like I am constantly doing dishes all the time. And to lose one of the appliances that I'm the most dependent on uh, has been rough, e even though we're, we're, we're going to have, it's under warranty and we're going to get it repaired here uh, um, tomorrow, actually. Um, it's been a long couple of days without that dishwasher because it's like, I sort of forget what a pain in the butt it is to like wash all my dishes by hand. And then because uh, we've been cooking, uh, I mean, uh, I mean, ever yeah. since March and and uh, and yeah, all of a sudden it's like it's like, oh, man, really? We, we, we don't have a dishwasher. So, yeah, that's that's how uh, that's that was one step. But all in all, it's been it's been great. It was it's been beautiful here in Colorado. And then all of a sudden we got snow and it was like, <laughs> oh, great. <laughs> oh, April, the snowiest month of the year in Colorado. <laughs> Everywhere else is seeing springtime. But I've heard a number of places. I heard uh, Minnesota got hit, and Michigan got hit, and you know, like the the whole Midwest got snowstorms. And I'm assuming then it probably moved on to the East Coast. So, you know, pe people are enjoying their. They had a, a spring for a minute, and then all the flowers died because <laughs> they were just taken out. Yeah, and it's and it's rough. I mean, in, in Colorado, I mean, we we, we love the snow uh, because of the, uh, you know it brings a lot of water and it, and it brings tourism because of skiing and everything else like that. But, um, even the most diehard Coloradoans, uh, begin to kind of get tired of it, uh, by, by now, cause we want that beautiful spring, nice, nice summer weather. So yeah, uh, it, it's been good. Our, our, our dishwasher's broken, but Hey, that, that certainly happens. And, and work has just been crazy. I, I know in the last episode you said graduation was in full swing. How, how's everything with that going? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy. I'm happy for the people who get to experience that's wonderful. But on the other side of it, it's like, I don't know, you could see that I'm, I'm getting more and more white hairs, both on my face and on my head. Um, it's totally this season that does it. Yeah. I, I really get stressed out with I, I hate I hate planning events. Yeah, hate it. Um, I like to use my mind for other things. But deciding on how the table should be arranged, or we've talked about this before, I, I can never yeah. stop complaining about event planning. So um, I think that things are looking up, and I had one more responsibility taken off my plate recently. So that might be an extra shot of whiskey tonight to celebrate that. <laughs> 
Well, and, and, and I mean, is it because last year my so a family member of mine did a did a virtual uh, a virtual graduation and it, it actually went off fairly easy. Like uh, and, and, and when I had asked her about her experience, she said it was very different. It wasn't, of course, what she was originally expecting when she was thinking about a graduation. But she said that as far as speeches go and, and, and recognizing people and everything. Um, I, I mean, w- what is your perspective on it? Because now it's it's being done virtually. I mean, I, I know you have to arrange speakers and all these type of things, but it, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it seems like for my family, it was very easy for us to participate. It was less work than us having to drive, you know, a couple hours. Right. I, I was just kind of curious what, what what you thought. You know, it's, it's still an in-process thing. So last summer, I'd say largely it was thrown together. Uh, a lot of people had no idea what they were doing, and companies came forward and said, "Okay, we'll ha- we'll handle it all for you." And it, you could tell there was a lot of variance in how it was executed. And I had seen some not so great examples of it, and there are some great examples of it, but I've I've definitely seen both. Um, this year, people care more, and so they're putting more into it. But things that you wouldn't necessarily think about are, well, are we going to have um, a live stream of somebody? In, and the campus during the graduation still making the speeches or are we going to actually do a pre-recorded and and when you go anywhere here uh, there's so much paperwork you have to go through about your last time exposed to somebody within 14 days if you're not going to have tests available all the time I mean it's it's a thing yeah. so um, it's very different than last year last year we were also thinking that maybe by the fall we would be back on campus <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, the irony, right? <laughs> you didn't say which year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so people were like thinking in Band-Aid mode. And this year, now people are thinking in kind of like customer service mode. Yeah. Because they still have tuition bills and they still have, and you know, like they didn't get a huge discount because there was a pandemic, mm. uh, even though a lot of people had wanted that. So uh, it really... People are trying to step up the commencement game this year is the long and short of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think, you know, I think we're seeing trends. um, I think last year, you know, and and you may have noticed this as well, even things like conferences, like conferences that I used to attend or or training sessions. um, I I think I, I hope that there's always a remote option because I think with graduation ceremonies, you have a lot of people that can't travel or can't or physically able to travel. Those are things to be able, the ability for them to be able to participate, I think is great. Um, I, I think with conferences last year, there was definitely a thrown together type situation and, and, and people did the best they could. Um, this year, there's way more production value now on yeah, some of these yeah, things. And, yeah, they, and they've yeah. kind of say it's going to be a way more produced product. Um, and, and I think people are figuring out lighting, when to unmute themselves, all those type yes. of things. So, so, and, and for me, I, I love the fact that, you know, you know, it's cheaper. I, I, I'm not looking at airline tickets. I'm not looking, I can, I can participate in conferences. I can visit, uh, you know, uh, virtual vendor booths. Um, I, I like that aspect of it. And I also, I don't get sick at some of these big conferences. It's like when there's 300 oh, yeah. people at a conference, I would always come back with some nasty, you know, you know, flu or cold or something like yep. that. So, so I kind of like that aspect of it. Yeah. And I, I mean, early on with these kinds of conferences, it kind of was like a glorified, um, well, you know, whatever the topic was, 900 number for that, like you'd have a chance to chat one-on-one with an expert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's really weird because you would, you'd be staring at their picture and they're talking to a group of 500 people, but you don't know who else is in the room with you. So you got to kind of play this game of suspending disbelief to think that this is actually like a conference. Yeah. And I've done it. I, I can do it. But I I, I think that, yeah, the, the production value will help us feel like we're actually participating in a conference. We're like, do you want to see your friends? And and I've, I have seen some friends actually at a conference. But, you know, one of those massive names coming up in the chat window of how's everybody feeling today? Because that's a Zoom technique. And then tell me the first word that comes to your mind when you when you entered this session. And everyone's like jazzed, <laughs> charged, excited, anxious, burned out. And then frowny face like everyone's got something and i saw one of the people i used to know from when i lived in colorado was at the same conference as me and i had no idea and so then i had to text them and ask like are you on are you at this conference at the same time i didn't know this was your world yeah i'm in this conference at the same time so that was the one time i actually ran into quotes somebody on a conference is because zoom chat window like did a quick scroll through of how everybody was feeling yeah 
Yeah. I the, the 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 thing I miss about conferences, um, and and I and, and I'm sure you've ran into this. Some conferences had better food than others, so there was mm-hmm. one that I that, that I regularly enjoyed um, their their snack selection in between sessions. So I would like sneak away to like uh, load up before everyone else showed up. Um, so I, I, and, and I also like the ability to say, I need to go grab a cup of coffee when there's some goofy team building thing. It's like, okay, we're, we're going to do the dandelion dance and we need everyone to participate. It's like, I gotta go to the bathroom and I need to go get a cup of yeah. coffee. And strangely enough, it's about 10 minutes long for me to be gone. When I come back, this, this little dance thing's going to be over with. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, those dandelion dances are the best. Usually uh. they involve sharing your feelings at the end of the conference when everyone's standing in a circle. And what is one thing you're going to take home with you? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> these are great. Yeah, these are yeah. so good because you know, like we even had one where you were supposed to sing it, um, <laughs> and then you like throw something to someone. At this point, everybody's exhausted from being in the conference, and everybody traveled across the world to be there, and it's some you know newfangled thing that you're working on, and you got to ask yourself, like, is this my life now? <laughs> <laughs> Well, in, in tech conferences are, are, you know, and I, and I hate to stereotype, uh, you know, you know, people in the technology field, generally we're not overly extroverted social people. And yeah. so, and yep. so at these conferences, there's attempts to do team building and there's attempts to try mm-hmm. to, and, and, and there's a little bit of that, 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 that occurs. But but I think the worst time is when they do that to second to last session at the end of the day, it's like three mm-hmm. o'clock in the afternoon. None of us want to do any team building. All, all we want to do is get the last snack or cookie of the day, and then we want to yes. head back to our room and decompress before we have to return for the evening, whatever it is. It's usually like a vendor happy hour that we all have to go to and, and the, those and type the, of things. We always know that the night before the last day is the biggest party night, too. That's yeah. when everybody yeah. goes out and does their thing. So, yeah, it's uh, – those are those are rough sessions. Those are really rough <laughs> to get through. Well, <laughs> well, my okay. my my thoughts are with you, my friend. I know that uh, I I'm sure that the parents as well as students all appreciate all the efforts going into graduation because it's a it's a huge day. And I know that for my family member, you know, it was it had a very different feel for her, but but uh, she she really enjoyed it, and and we also could participate, you know, you know, remotely. So so that was excellent. But well. Um, we have a lot of news to talk about um, and a lot of big things going on. So the the first um, order of business, the thing that that was very shocking was, did you hear about our 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 Lex Luthor, the Bezos of Amazon, has stepped <laughs> down? Um, so there, so this uh, really shook the the tech world. Is Jeff Bezos? Um, who has been running Amazon from the very beginning. And the reason I call him the Lex Luthor is because he has a shaved head. He's kind of the, um, I, 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 he's the mastermind behind Amazon, um, made an, an announcement that, that he's going to be stepping down and he is going to become chairman of the board. Um, he has already named a, a, a successor and wrote a very nice uh, letter to the shareholders um, which which was a very interesting letter. Um, he he did you know he, he did sort of focus on um, the employees and focused on um, also on uh, on making products that make a difference for the consumers. Now this was sort of an interesting take um, because Amazon has been in the news uh, recently about um, how they treat their employees. Um, there you know there was there were several articles about um, how the delivery drivers are being treated. Some of them have to go to the bathroom in bottles because of the uh, demands on them. Amazon also uh, released several pieces of technology where they're monitoring their drivers for efficiency. And so um, there there was actually a a, a recent. Uh, vote that was held in Alabama, I believe, um, uh, on whether or not that they were going to unionize. It failed. Um, so they did not unionize um, the Amazon workers um, in Alabama, which there are several contributing factors. Um, Amazon did play a role in, in union busting. They, they, they did have a lot of influence in that space. And also Alabama being very much a red state is not exactly pro pro union, so um, it was a bit of an interesting letter um, from him. Uh, but uh, you know, he said he he will be focusing on the on on on, on more philanthropic adventures. 
Um, and one of them was the Day One Fund, the Bezos Earth Fund, and then of course um, the uh, the competitor for Elon Blue Origin, as well as he wants to focus on the Washington Post and in some other passions that are there. So it's going to be interesting to see him sort of taking on um, a slightly different role. Um, his successor, um, it sounds like he has uh, he's been kind of training under Jeff, and um, you know it'll be interesting to see kind of kind of what happens. But there is no doubt that Amazon has become a massive tech giant. Um, uh, logistics giant. Um, I I don't think we could have gotten through COVID as successfully as we did without Amazon. Um, I know I depended on it as well. So, um, but uh, but yeah, I was just kind of curious, Marty, what 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 your take was on this story. I mean, I, I think that um, Amazon probably could also own their own small country at this point, or maybe even large country at this point, given the pandemic's reliance on that, especially in the early months, and. Um, I was grateful for them as a service, but one of the things with Jeff Bezos that I never quite knew, I didn't have my finger on the pulse of this, was how much would a CEO of a company like that dictate um, the personality of the company? I mean, is he the person making the decisions about or affecting the decisions about the the not having bathroom breaks? Because part of me wonders, during a pandemic, where are you going to go to the bathroom in a suburban situation? Like if you have Amazon like porta potties around that they could stop at somewhere, I could see that logistically working, but it, it makes it sound like they're terrible. And they, they probably, if you're working there, you still had to suffer through it and they hadn't figured out how to handle it um, might be more of the issue. But was it because he was not a person for the workers or was it because he was like, was he really just focused on the product? Was he really kind of like somebody who was more of a stick versus a carrot kind of boss or was, was it really just because in Amazon, they might not have planned for the logistical changes that had to take place during the pandemic. Yeah, I I think that there's still a lot about um, how Amazon treats their employees, and it, and it varies by level. So I think that it, you know if you're in their engineering division, um, you know it's it it might be pretty good. Um, if you're if you're in their warehouse or 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 or, or in their delivery area. Maybe not so good. Um, we have seen a number of articles on on how Amazon treats their employees, both in the office and then and, and then also from the delivery perspective. And I think it's somewhere in between. I think mm-hmm. it's I, I've heard things that uh, it's it's okay, um, but Amazon is is set to be one of the world's largest employers. I mean, they they wow. they are really positioned um, now to uh, re- really have their fingers in a lot of things. I mean. Um, I've I've heard I've heard several opinions that you know um, as you know as jobs sort of changed we we sort of had this large manufacturing and then manufacturing sort of went away in the United States. Um, Amazon is positioned to sort of fill that gap in you know in delivery and logistics and so um, and and in and in Jeff's um, message to the shareholders you know he you know he, you know he did talk about um, employees and taking care of employees and so. Um, I, it's, it's going to be interesting, but I, I think it's somewhere in between, um, um, would love to see him be, uh, I would love to see him continue to have influence, uh, because I think he drove a lot of innovation. Um, he drove, he drove things that we never even thought about before. I mean, I mean, who, who, who would have known that, that a product like, um, um, I, I won't say her name, uh, but but a smart home speaker could 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 change the technology landscape the way that it has, or or something like Prime. Um, we didn't even think really really think about Prime, and then and then he was able to bring it out. So, uh, but but possibly under new leadership, um, you know, hopefully we're going to see some some better treatment for those employees um, in the uh, delivery um, area. So so uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see, and, and maybe some positive things for Blue Origin, um, for the Washington Post, and and and, and for so- those other products. Properties as well. So, okay, I've got another question, and maybe this is just speaking to my uh, my lack of awareness for my my earlier point in life. <laughs> we spend a lot of time talking, and it's, I mean, of course, it's in the news all the time. Of there's these larger than life individuals who were once very normal, um, who are kind of like the um, the former monopoly giants, you know, the, like the Andrew Carnegie kind of mm-hmm. people. I think it was Andrew Carnegie. It was one of the yeah. Carnegies, <laughs> the Rockefellers. You yeah, know, like they, yeah, they, these yeah. huge, um, like monopoly controlling types. So we we talk about um, Elon Musk and all of his different areas. We talk about um, Zuckerberg often and the the different types of social media. We talked about um, Dorsey and Twitter. We've talked about like we we keep talking about these personalities. Are we in another era where 
we have this kind of version of the uh, super innovator business person slash political figure in some form or another who has political influence of some form or another given the, the current context that is reemerging as what leads our country or what or what takes our country into into whatever trend it's going into or is it the same as it's always been and we just happen to be talking about it more because we have more tech in our homes and so people related to tech tend to be the things that are on our minds yeah no i i, I think that's an interesting perspective i i think that there is some of I, I think when we think about Carnegie and we think about the Rockefellers, um, you know, I also think about Bill Gates, who everyone thought that, you know, when he stepped down, he really wasn't going to step down. Um, and then he did. He stepped down and then and then he really focused on a lot of philanthropic uh, ventures. And, and and I think, you know, personally, I think that he's done a lot of really um, a, lo a lot of very impressive things through the Gates Foundation. Um, and I think he but I think, you know, in sort of things I've read or. Um, some of the books that have been about him, he had his perspective change and he was, he was a different person than he was when he was the founder of windows. And so, and so I do, I do think that for some of these CEOs, they do sort of pivot and they start looking towards philanthropic ventures and, and trying to make things better, which I, which I think is awesome. Um, but on the political scene, I, you know, you know, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I, I sort of think, they they always have political influence and and I mean uh, some of these some of these uh, sessions of Congress when you see how much money these companies give to some of these electeds they they definitely play in the political space I mean I, I could argue that that Zuckerberg is running is running a country I mean with the amount of users that he has on his platform it's going to be interesting to see if um, if any of these folks have sort of those political aspirations. Um, because they certainly financially could run their own campaign if they wanted to. Um, and I think, and I think with, uh, with former president Trump, it, you know, it may have opened the door a little bit to some of these figures saying, well, maybe I could run for president. You know, I mean, I, I think of like, like, uh, the likes of Oprah Winfrey, um, when there was some discussion, I think it was a couple of years ago on whether or not she, she was going to run for president or, um, you know, you know, certainly, uh, you know, I think the rock, I think that they've been talking about Dwayne Johnson for a while. Um, but he's not, he's not to the likes of like Jeff Bezos, but, um, yeah, we're gonna have to see if some of these CEOs have any sort of aspirations for, for politics, but I'm kind of like, you know, as big as these companies are with the number of people running them, it's like, it's like, why would you go to the white house? You already have a lot of, you have a lot of influence as it is. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting space, and, and Bill Gates is a good example. It made me think of all the efforts he really put in. He was he was big into uh, the the forecasting of the pandemic, even yeah. though that was for naught, you know. And then he was he was a big proponent of the contact tracing, mm -hmm. um, which also in this country was for naught. In other countries, it really helped stave off um, a lot of the spread. And here, of course, we were more into the vaccine development side of the house. And um, and now we have other pharmaceutical treatments that are being fast tracked in development as well. It seems like, but then we hit a snag, and I had to mention this. You know, last week we were talking about AstraZeneca and you know Pfizer and Moderna and and Johnson and Johnson, and the, those four names are always appearing in the news, and they all are are coming up with different associations. And so Pfizer is kind of considered the luxury automobile for some reason of the types. And when people compare which vaccines they're getting, and I'm not sure it's for good reason, but people were talking about Pfizer, like, which one did you get? Which one did you get? Oh, you got Pfizer? Yeah, well, you got the good stuff, right? Like, there's, like, there's that different. Um, and Moderna, Pfizer and Moderna use the same technology. And um, then, you know, I, I'm not a physician. I'm not a healthcare professional. And so I, I want everyone to know that if you have a healthcare specific question, you talk to a healthcare professional about it, but I am a scientist and researcher by training. And so um, I do read scientific literature. I read I read secondary sources or primary sources, depending. And so I have a sense of, of how things might work scientifically. And then I said AstraZeneca, they're finding that it's causing blood clots. And lo and behold, Johnson & Johnson comes out that we had to halt use in the United States because of blood clots, like one in millions and millions will get it. And it tends to be more common in women. And, um, you know, still there, there was, it was put on pause for a second and I don't know where we stand with it today. And I think soon we'll, we'll know the fate of it. Um, but that just goes to show you how quickly we're learning as we go through this process and how much we depend on 
kind of the the scientific process in the medical community to error correct in mm-hmm. in in midstream to just always be like, well, nope, never mind, didn't mean to do that. Okay, try this. No, oh, nope, never mind, try to do this. And additionally, the um, Pfizer CEO came out recently this last week saying he thinks that we're probably going to need um, an additional booster shot for Pfizer within nine to twelve months of getting the the, the first two. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm guessing it wouldn't be all that different for Moderna. And I don't really think that one is that much better than the others. If you look at the efficacy for Pfizer Moderna, it's very, very similar. So, um, we're going on a roller coaster ride with our knowledge of the vaccines because it's unfolding as, as we're learning. But one of the really cool things that came out of the vaccine on, on the positive side was that, you know, people who had been experiencing this long haul COVID, about half of them, um, from a, 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 I think it was a rather informal survey reported feeling better after having the second dose of the vaccine. And anecdotally, um, I've seen this. Um, I've, I've seen this myself. And it's, but it's not the same for everyone. Some people don't feel better. Some people do. And that 50% might be about right. Uh, so we're, yeah, we're learning lots. Uh, it, it's very unpredictable. Uh, but that doesn't stop the, the new information from, from coming all the time. And one of the things that was a little less uh, positive was that people are dealing with, if they had COVID, not the vaccine, but if they had COVID itself, and if they had a more severe form of the disease, then they're likely to have uh, a mental health condition, I think, afterward. So, you know, it, they found that when people had specifically, this, this it was particularly pronounced when they had been in a, um, like an intensive care unit for any given amount of time, or they had been on a ventilator, that something like 50% of the patients coming out or one third of the patients coming out, um, somewhere between there, had experienced um, a mental health condition. Wow. And yeah, and they're, they're, it's definitely related to how severe your COVID was and that they've, they've been talking about for a little while. There was a story that came out in the New York Times a while ago that mentioned mental health as one of the symptoms, a mental health disturbance as one of the symptoms of COVID. So there has been evidence that COVID crosses into the brain in some people. They've shown post-mortem that the virus can actually settle in different spots in the brain. And uh, it has caused psychosis in some. Uh, it's certainly related to depression and anxiety in many, oh, wow. mostly those that have severe COVID. Uh, and so it, it has been related to other neurological disorders. Um, like Parkinson's disease, there's a case study or two, uh, dementia, there's a case study here and there. So again, we're learning more and more. One of the interesting things though, is understanding this kind of mind-body divide where we assume that, you know, you had COVID, therefore um, your, you know, the, the, the experience of having it caused your depression, totally possible. Then there's another side that says, well, you had COVID and it gets into your brain and your brain is a place where depression is often modulated, mediated, or created. So maybe it was a physical change to your brain that caused the depression or anxiety itself too. And they don't know yet. They're, they're trying to figure out what, what the causes are of this. Um, but as we have more and more people who have certainly the long haul symptoms and the people that we can track going through the ICU units and those that have more mild cases, which tend to not have the, the mental health uh, outcomes the same way that the severe cases do. Um, we're going to learn more about this, but it's it's a fascinating and in some ways terrifying disease. Yeah. Well, and and I think you've said so many times before, we're, we're still learning. I mean, we're still learning about about COVID. We're still learning about the variants. We're still learning about the the, the vaccines. I mean, it seems like we're 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 getting new information every week about how this thing is sort of evolving. You know, uh, you know, across the nation and across the world. Yeah, and it affects everyone differently. I mean, that's the thing with with most experiences. It's predictive to a certain extent. Most people don't have, um, I mean, very few people have severe COVID. Um, and for those that do, I mean, there's a whole slew of things that can that can take place. And, and long haulers seem to have, I, I believe long haulers um, seem to have longer symptoms post COVID than mild to moderate cases, even though you can certainly get mild to moderate cases that have long haul. So yeah, it's, it's a learning experience. It's a learning experience. Um, so I, with that really happy thought, <laughs> I wanted to give a minute to hear a word from our sponsors and give everybody a chance uh, to take a break and we will be back with more. 
This week's episode is brought to you by Wet Panda Dry Bags. You know, it's pretty basic to think about dry bags, but it's so important. You know, when we're headed out to paddleboard or we're headed out to hike, um, I reach for my dry bag all the time because, you know, I have a digital camera, I have different equipment with me, and I am not always confident that my backpack is completely waterproof. So I just tuck it into my dry bag and I know that it's going to stay safe. And I even pack a wet panda bag in my gym bag because, you know, if I'm swimming, I can toss my swimming suit into the dry bag and close it up. And I know that the rest of my bag isn't going to get wet and nasty. So check out Wet Panda. They are exclusively sold on eBay. Just search Wet Panda dry bags and look for that panda paw. Thank you so much, Wet Panda, for your sponsorship of the Sunday Brunch. And we are back. Uh, I am happy to report that uh, in addition to all the pessimism I like to talk about in terms of coronavirus and pandemics and whatnot, there's always a, a silver lining. And one of the silver linings is that in addition to learning more and the pursuit of knowledge is always noble, um, that about half of the adults in the United States have received at least one COVID shot. That is an impressive figure. Wow. Yeah, what the, the the president announced what this week um, that if you want a vaccine, um, you you are able to get it. I think that that's a huge huge mile marker. I mean, a, a lot of positive news about about the vaccine rollout here in, here in the U.S. I, I I don't know about you, but I, I I'm I, I'm I'm starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel right mm-hmm. now. <laughs> mm-hmm. I can't wait. Now's the point when you're running on the treadmill, and you're like, okay, I've done two thirds. There's one third left, or maybe you've done three quarters, and there's just, and suddenly, like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the time to notice every single ache and pain that I have. But, but we're close. You're right. We are. I, I do think, I do think we're getting closer, like, closer, closer. Um, do you have any big plans when, is, is your husband fully vaccinated? He, he actually got shot number two. Hey. Uh, last week. Um, so, so yeah, we, we went down there and, and again, the, the staff in Denver, um, was just incredible. All the nurses that we worked, uh, with did a fantastic job and, and we did a drive-through clinic. Um, they were fast, nice, polite, organized. Um, I, I don't think we could have asked for, you know, you know, for a better experience. And so, no, it's no, it, it's good. I mean, I'm trying to plan, Sort of a, you know, I, I I think the audience should know I'm a little bit bougie, um, so I really want a bougie dinner to sort of celebrate some things. So I'm trying to figure out a fancy dinner. Um, there is one place I've been I I've been keeping an eye out on for uh, it's it's been about a year or so. It was it was highly ranked here in here in Colorado, and I'm like I'm like I just kind of want to splurge and go out with other people who who appreciate a very a, a very nice dinner. Because I'm like I'm like I need to get out. I need to dress up. I need to be I need to feel more like a like a regular human, not wear sweats. Um, th- those type of things to to try to celebrate. Are, are you playing any like uh in, any celebration with your friends? Well, you were in Palm Springs, so maybe that yeah, that that was a yeah. that was a little celebration, and that that did mark my. <laughs> fully vaccinated points on the, yeah. on the graph. So now I'm, I'm in the statistic of fully vaccinated. Yeah. And yes, I did celebrate it that way. So um, it was it was a nice feeling. It was a yeah. nice feeling. And then I had to face reality again, but it was a nice feeling while I escaped <laughs> for a brief minute. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear. I'm glad to hear that our, um, we actually have had a really good dissemination. It started off slow, but I, I think I'm, I'm impressed. Are we probably not as fast as in smaller countries, but I think this is where we're seeing... Um, us hit our rhythm a little bit better. And yeah. I, I am happy to see the, the progress being made and, and I hope it continues. And I hope that we have 100% or whatever we have is, can have as close to 100 as possible soon so that we can feel comfortable in the same room again and not have to wonder with an eyebrow raise, like, is this person going to be the one that makes me sick at a conference, but in a really <laughs> bad way? <laughs> Well, well, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I think I think I'm still going to be a little neurotic about it. Like, I, I'm not yeah. clear on when when the mask restriction is going to get pulled. Um, so, I mean, I, 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 I and I know and I know you've spoken about this is continue to do mask, continue to 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 take those measures. Uh, I, I mean, I'm still bringing my hand sanitizer and my mask everywhere oh, yeah. that I go because because I, I'm still thinking about variants. I'm still thinking about yeah, those things. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And they exist and they're finding, they they now have more research on this idea of breakthrough cases, what they're called when you have someone who is fully vaccinated and still contracts it. And I think um, they're, they're quite, they're, 
they believe that most of the time these breakthrough cases, at least in Israel, which is a country that had a really focused effort and got a huge amount of the population vaccinated more quickly than most other countries in the world, they have a lot of data because they've been doing research on this. And so I think they recently found that a lot of the folks that were considered breakthrough cases um, were with one of these new variants that were more highly contagious and were able to evade some of the antibodies. But that being said, there are very few cases of those variants um, in Israel. So there's, there's, you know, they do break through, but it's not that common. And people are, are hoping that, you know, with a 95% efficacy, you're still going to get 5% that are going to get it. And yeah. hopefully it's not so severe. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, you know, speaking of other news coming out of the president's um, office, there, there, there was some news this week about um, President Biden really trying to make an effort to make oh, Internet yeah. more accessible. And, um, you know, and I, I think we've talked a little bit about on the show around, um, you know, Internet accessibility in general. And so and so the so the president has rolled out a plan. Um, and, and he was saying in this actually a quote from an article from from Vox is, um, you know, the president's quote saying in an earnest effort to attain digital equity for all Americans, address the overpriced Internet service and implement greater transparency and accountability, um, I think is I think is a very good measure. I think I think particularly during covid, um, we have seen a bit of a digital divide between those have, who have high speed Internet and, and those who mm-hmm. don't. Um, and in and I was asked this week, uh, you know, like sort of my thoughts on this. And, and I think it's a, I think it's a good step. I think it's a logical step. I, I sort of liken it to, um, you, you know, in 1936, we had the, the, the rural, uh, rural electrification project. And that's where we said, you know, if you live out in, in a very rural area, you, you should have, you should have electricity. Um, and I think, and, and I liken this very much to, to what the president was saying around making sure that that internet is accessible to everyone needs it even in the rural areas. And the reason this is a challenge on the national scale is because it's, it's expensive for, you know, Comcast and for, for, um, CenturyLink or, or, or now Lumen, I believe is, is how they're being branded to build out networks out into these very, to these very rural areas. Um, so that's, that's so that they can have internet access. And I think all of us, particularly those of you listening to the podcast realize how essential it is to have internet access and, and, and now to have high speed internet access. And so, um, there was a lot of focus this week on this and, and also some, some good news out of, out of New York is they actually passed a law that said, uh, that they are requiring their service providers to provide $15 a month high-speed internet access for low-income households, which I thought was what was also a very great um, program, um, and, I, and I and I thought it made a lot of sense. And so and so yeah, so I thought that uh, uh, between the president's news about um, access to vaccinations and also the president coming back out and saying um, we, we need to talk about this this digital divide with internet access, um, I thought a, a lot of really positive things in the news. Cycle, which is a big change from the previous presidency, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> in your opinion, you know, it's it's it is true, and it's something that I've noticed that when the pandemic hit and everybody was working remotely, um, I remember my internet just started becoming terrible, and I had to call our local, you know, high-speed internet company, which we all know is not a cheap bill, yeah. and and I and I wasn't able to use it, and the 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 person who came out, the technician, said. Well, I mean, it's because everybody's using it. I can, I can you can buy a, a more powerful something or another plan. Or I thought, wow, this is quite the, this is quite the setup you've got here. No matter what you do, you are going to also own a small country by the end of this because you have so much control over our lives right now. There's so much you could ask for whatever money you needed, and, and it would work because our jobs are dependent on. You know, if you're paying eighty dollars a month or one hundred and sixty dollars a month, these are not small bills. That's like a car. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. very, very expensive. So that I, I'd imagine, and you've talked about this before, that when you framed what the internet was supposed to be about originally, that it, that it was supposed to be this kind of equalizing thing that allowed um, people to have access to each other things that we couldn't before. And we're still finding that you know economics really plays a large role in who really has access to it. And, and I'm glad to see that we have some legislation in place to provided to people in rural areas, which certainly is important. And also people who come from areas where it's just, it's, it's prohibitively expensive to have. And school-age kids, what were they supposed to do during this pandemic? I know that we had heard about stories where like there were laptops going out from the school districts to help, but it, I, I don't know. I don't know how well it worked. People 
I guess the question in my mind is what kind of a right is having internet access that we used to believe, you know, was a luxury back in the dial-up days. But even so, we had the library connection where you could go through for free. Right. And that was an option, and it did work. It was not amazing, but it did work. Yeah, and, and, and I think very much, you know, like when we talk about electricity, uh, you know, I mean, with, you know, internet's required for people to, um, like you said, for, for students to go to school, um, if you want to apply for a job, you need internet access. Um, we are also seeing um, there. We're also seeing some very large um, academic institutions now really seriously considering um, getting rid of textbooks. Um, I, I actually there there was actually a, a couple of posts that I was reading that um, we, we actually have some schools that that are starting to say no more physical textbooks. All of them will will, will now be online. Um, so so we're going to start seeing some changes over the next couple of years, even in even in higher ed. And it's like, how do you if you if you don't have an internet access, if you don't have internet access, how, how would you even you can't. get this material? You know, and, and um, I I use online textbooks actually quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and those companies that control those things are also they could also have their own small country um, <laughs> because they have these huge institutional licenses that are required for the diversity of scholarship that goes on in a higher ed institution. And so I think UCLA, for instance, had a really big war going on with Elsevier or one of these giant publishing houses. Um, but you're kind of at their whim. You have to pay these giganta fees in order to be able to access all of this material. And they're quite expensive. Um, and the it, it really is nice. I love using electronic textbooks because there's you don't have the, the waste that comes from it. Mm. Um, and it's much more easily accessible to everybody. But at the same time, I don't like using them without my, um, my smart screen and stylus so that I can mark all over them because there is something to be lost in, in that. You know, but okay, now I'm diverging, but I want to go back to this idea of it being a right. Have you seen there was a show on Amazon called Upload? No, I, I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. Is it good? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And it's kind of based on this premise that um, when you die, you have the option of saving your memories, right? Clearly science fiction. Saving your memories because they're able to, like, you know, cut your brain out and then place all of your memories, quote unquote, in the one area where they exist, which is not true. Memories are kind of distributed, although the creation and the retrieval of memories require one area. And um, they, well, actually, no, more than one area, multiple areas. Okay, doesn't even hold true in the, in the premise. And um, never mind, tangent again. Uh, but the, the idea is that you can create your version of utopia or heaven. Oh, it. okay. And it's based on, though, whether or not you have a lot of money to pay while you're alive. It's like the first version degree. of the Matrix, right? Kind of, yeah. And so <laughs> you end up paying lots and lots of money if you want the, the heaven version of your after death. Or if you don't have the heaven version of your after death, then you've got to deal with the glitches of dial up and those kinds of things that you know, like you freeze suddenly because it takes too long to load in whatever you're doing. Um, so the, you ask the question is like, is access to, I mean, granted, there's a bunch of embedded questions. One is the right, the, the way you die, but in, in many ways is actually the, the right for your access to the internet and the information that, that it, it, it held in its promise a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And I think those questions are gonna come up more because, and it's, it's a good show to get you to think about it a little bit. I kind of liked it, um, but I, I, I think with the, the move by the Biden administration, it makes me happy to realize that there is a move for more equity and yeah. that access. I really like that. Yeah, I, I, I think it was it, it was a lot of good news this week. And when I saw it, I, I, I think it was something that I know in my circle we've been talking about a lot um, is, is, is is how do we make the Internet more accessible? And, and we know it's not. It's not just the internet. We, you know, I think it's recognizing the industry. It's also making um, computers more affordable. Um, a lot of school districts are, are are making effort to give every student a laptop so, so that they can participate more fully in you know you know in their education. 
um, so they can have email and work processors to be able to do uh, a research at home. And so um, the, the internet is, is a part of the piece, but I think it's, it's a critical piece. And I, and I was really happy to see um, work out of the White House, you know, in, the, in this regard. And, and I think we're talking about this as a nation around uh, municipal broadband, um, we are talking about more accessible uh, broadband for low-income households. We're also talking about, you know, you know, high-speed internet access for for schools, so then they can do more, you know, more interactive classes and, and stream different sorts of content. And so, um, I think I think it was a great move. I, I think it, it it's exciting. Um, I think previously under the other uh, under our previous president, um, there was some decisions by by the FCC that sort of um, pulled back. Um, some things like, like I, I thought we, we, I, I professionally felt that we took some steps back in the areas of, of uh, net neutrality. And so mm-hmm. under this present, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to hopefully seeing some, some other decisions coming out of the FCC. And so, but, uh, this announcement of the white house was, was, uh, was certainly a positive note for sure to, to try to open up internet access to more individuals and, and hopefully after those rural areas, cause rural internet, if you're using a satellite connection or those type of things, um, it's not good. It's slow, and and you are really at, at a severe disadvantage. And some of those areas, you you barely have cell phone access, and so even smartphone access is is really difficult. So, um, so yeah, so that that, that was certainly some some good news this week. Uh, the other thing that I it just cracked me up, but but as a as a diehard sci-fi nerd, um, I love this. Uh, Pizza Hut rolled out oh. their pizza delivery robots to to start testing this. It was a great article in Medium. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, the, the, the part of me that loves like R2-D2 was like, was like, yes, there's going to be pizza delivery. Wait, wait, wait. Was it Pizza Hut or Domino's? Uh, so, so, no, no, it was Domino's. I'm sorry. It was yeah. Domino's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah sorry. Because, yeah. you know, Domino. first of all, this was the other good news of the week, right? <laughs> that Domino's is going to have self-driving cars <laughs> take their pizzas to you. But, you know, Domino's made this, this move in their marketing from going from like, the best tasting pizza ever. And they tried, right? Like, we got, sorry, Domino's. A long time ago, Domino's wasn't known to have the best tasting pizza. It was known <laughs> yeah. as a good delivery option. Yeah. And then over time, they tried changing their sauce and they tried dealing with all of these kind of upgrades. But I think there's a point in marketing they realized that they wanted their new brand to be about having hot pizza more yeah. than. Yeah. And so this kind of car thing really feeds into their brand beautifully because now you could have actually a mini oven that you're driving in. Um, to keep the thing really hot, I'm assuming, yeah. and or at least warm-ish, uh, warmer than than you would if you have you know a 16-year-old driver just kind of like doing their own thing as as they deliver it to your door. Um, it would get there in, in in pretty fast amount of time as well, assuming that there are no accidents. Um, but they would really do well by delivering on their promise that you got your hot pizza. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Didn't have to taste good, but it's hot. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I uh, apologize. I, I have pizza on the brain because that's what I had for lunch. Um, but no, uh, <laughs> Domino's has teamed up with a company called uh, Neuro, and it's like N U R O, and they're going to run some tests in 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 Houston, Texas. And so they they sort of look like little minivans, and the idea is is that you place your order with Domino's, they put the pizzas in this little minivan looking looking robot. And it stops by your house and lets you know that 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 it's there. You go out there and you enter your your pin code that that was given for your pizza, and it pops open, and you grab your pizza and close it, and it and it goes on its way. Um, for for some people who prefer the delivery come straight to their door, that's a little bit of a change. But I mean, I I, I would love it if, if if there was just a robot that dropped off my food or dropped off Amazon packages, I'd be okay with. It. I, I don't mind going outside and, and and interacting with a robot like that. So I, I thought it was very cool. Um, we're gonna have to see um, how it does in you know you know in Houston. Um, we we did have some tragic news about um, a pretty horrible Tesla accident this week where there were some lives lost and and it's currently being investigated to to, to try to see exactly what happened. But um, they they do believe at this time that that it it was some self driving. Uh, that, that the person had self-driving mode um, active. And so um, still a lot of details are coming out on it. Um, but 
uh, we're, we're going to have to see if this if this is going to change this because I know that uh, certainly the uh, technology in Neuro is, is going to be self-driving. It's going to be autonomous. You just put it in there and go. Um, so we're going to have to see kind of um, as more details come out about this Tesla case and in, in, in the tragedy there um, as as to what happened, if, if this is going to uh, have any sort of setbacks for, for, for technology like this. But w when I saw this post, it sort of made me smile because I'm like, yes, anytime I get more robots in my life, I, I am all oh, for gosh. it. Yeah, you're going to be that person that we blame later on during the age of Terminator. <laughs> like, this is your fault. You wanted to have conveniently hot pizza. Uh, it didn't didn't something similar, although it wasn't it wasn't self-driving. But wasn't there talk that Amazon was going to use some kind of delivery system at some point that was drone based? Yeah, yeah, they they had sort of. Uh... They had shown off sort of a air delivery drone um, as as a concept of of you know it would it would, would like put the package in your backyard or or something like that, um, but I, I never actually saw it um, you know in production. It was just sort of an interesting concept. Um, speaking of when I was in China, they they also I, I was at a I was at a big international conference there. And they also had these air, these these quadcopter drone delivery type options. They had one that would deliver coffee, which I'm like, I don't know how that would work is deliver coffee via air drone. I think your coffee would be cold by the time it arrived, but it was a concept that was out there. Um, so some of the drones that I think um, seem more realistic to me, uh, and we've seen them piloted in um, areas like San Francisco, or I think on some small cases at some universities are, are the ones that look like little mini roving coolers that uh -huh. are dropping things off in, you know, in fairly short distance. That makes sense to me, or like this project with Neuro um, for pizza, that, that seems to make sense. I don't know about aerial deliveries like Amazon was originally thinking, um, because I'm like, all these things buzzing around over you, to me seems problematic. Like what if one of them, like, drops it or one of them runs out of gas or, 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 or electricity or whatever. I'm like, you wouldn't want these things falling out of the sky and hitting people's cars where a little roving cooler, if something happens to it, you know, it dies on the side of the road. Somebody can come by and pick it up. I, I don't know. So, so, but yeah, you're right. Amazon was going to talk about these new like aerial delivery systems. And so I know you're a geek I've heard. Um, so I want to ask you a hypothetical visioning <laughs> question. This, this will be to bring you into a meditative state, <laughs> kind of like a koan. If, I know you're more Star Trek-y than Star Wars-y, but if George Lucas were to today have written the world of the Star Wars universe, do you think that a lot of the droids would be more focused on delivering pizzas and hot coffees, or would they still just be used for such silly things as translators, which you can use on your cell phone? <laughs> Uh, so, so, uh, so Marty's right. I am definitely more of a Star Trek guy than Star Wars. Star Wars, there's some of them I love. There's some of them I don't, but I think Star Wars is space opera. So some of them I like, some of them I don't like, but, um, I, I think that the, the, the uh, robots of Star Wars, I wouldn't change much about them. Although if you, if you really look closely in Star Wars, they, they, they do have these, like these little delivery robots That's running around. The, most of the droids are that. <laughs> yeah. They, <laughs> They're all like these four wheeled things that look like trash cans on them. And they've got some kind of compartment you can reach into. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that they had kind of a wide range of robots for these different services. So so I, <laughs> I, I like them all, but but R2 is still my favorite. C, I, I felt that C-3PO was kind of a whiny pain in the rear end. But yeah. but, but lately they, they've released like Rogue One and a couple of these other ones um, have released other other robots that I've, yeah. I've really enjoyed as well. But, but, R, but R2 is still my fan favorite. Oh, yeah. So yeah. Well, <laughs> I hope that the Domino's car thing um, makes the same sounds as R2-D2 when it delivers the pizza. <laughs> I would <laughs> love it. How fun would that be? How fun <laughs> would that be if he goes... <laughs> yeah, I I, I I love all of my robots that I have in my house. I, I, I can't wait for their, for to eventually get a lawn mowing robot. I still need the technology to come along a little bit more, but I'm looking forward to that. So any anytime I can put more uh, robots in my life, um, I, I am all for it. So... so um, yeah, let's oh. let's talk about the not as good news, or maybe good news, depending on who you are, at the end of the week, involving one of our favorite larger-than-life personalities. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or a couple of our favorite larger-than-life personalities, one of which is the one who controls all social media, and another of whom used that social media to gain a very large following. What's going on? Yeah, so th th this one... Uh... 
you know, Facebook once again is, you know, is, is in the news cycle as it always is. So, so Facebook, um, sort of out of the controversy of, uh, of the elections and, um, foreign interference and all of those type of things, uh, Facebook decided to create a, an, an oversight board. And this oversight board is, is one that will sort of guide Facebook, um, to try to deal with these decisions that are complicated. Um, I, when, when this came out, um, I, I felt it was sort of a blue ribbon committee. It was like, oh, we've done a lot of bad things. So let's create a committee to, 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 to try to make it better. Um, it's still questioned because, uh, Facebook can still make decisions, you know, um, you know, if they want to, it's a private company. Um, but this, this board, uh, that is, you know, it, it's made up of journalists, human rights activists, lawyers, and academics, um, you know, are, are sent these decisions that, you know, about what to do things. So, um, our previous president, um, was, was booted off Facebook's platform and, uh, the, the board was, has been convening to talk about whether or not he should be reinstated back onto the, back onto the Facebook platform. And in just a reminder, you know, with the, with, with the, with the massive riot that happened in the U S Capitol, um, that's where we saw Twitter, you know, pull Trump's account as well as we saw Facebook, um, pull their account as well. And we saw this on YouTube and other platforms as well. And so, um, the board received almost 9,000 public responses about this case. And so they, they ended up just saying, okay, you know, we're, you know, we're going to kind of postpone things a little bit. Um, we are not going to make a decision yet. Um, but this 20 member committee, um, is still in the process of trying to, to decide what to do. And so it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, if they end up deciding to, to reinstate him. Um, I, I haven't heard anything yet out of Twitter about, about, you know, um, if this is going to be a forever thing, uh, we talked about in early episodes that, uh, former president Trump's response to this was that he was going to create his own social media company. We also saw, uh, the CEO of my pillow also talking about, um, his, you know, his, oh, yeah. his platform and all those type of things this week. So it's going to be interesting. I, 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 I guess I'm I'm going to be curious to see if this committee actually has strength and actually when they make a decision is going to if it's going to stick with Facebook um, and and if it's going to be honored in sort of the in sort of the spirit in which uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg says it was it was built for so um, and it, and I think it is it is you know you know decisions about this are you know are are complicated I I, I do not envy the people who are on this. Uh, on this committee to to be making this decision because um, it is tough, you know, and and I think that when, when we're talking about these these platforms, they are a space for people to convey ideas, um, but it's also we, we also learned that this is a space where hate speech can show up and and uh, misinformation can show up as well, and so and so yeah, I, I do not envy this committee, but uh, when when uh, they came back, they said that they were going to delay some things, and so so I really hope that they're doing their due diligence, reviewing these comments, trying to get a variety of perspectives on it for sure. You know, it also speaks to the conversation we were having earlier where we were saying that, you know, these larger than life tech innovation giants are, are, are kind of stepping into political spaces. And I think sometimes it's not because of choice. I think because it's just so, so much a part of all of our lives that uh, whoever has the power over these different media also has political power by default and, and has power that can make big, big changes in the country or in the world. So. Um, you you can't avoid politics by just be, you can't just say well it's just technology yeah because technology has a political component to it and uh, I I'm glad to hear that there's a board of people that are probably leaning on the protecting people side and philosophy really needs to be um, brought into this because the philosophy of um, where do one's rights start and another stop and vice versa if if you let that go in perpetuity then you can have people who claim it's their right to do lots of damage. Um, and so you do need really careful questions and really careful answers to those kinds of, of, of situations. And I do hope that they find something and, uh, uh, have, have common good, <laughs> have, have, the, have the good of the people in mind so that we're not, um, we're not, we're not viewing these things as, as possible weapons and, and, and whatnot. So, um, I, speaking of technology, I have to tell you that, um, I am still a Luddite, but I'm, I'm debating on involving more in my life. And so I will tell you when I finally decide to get a TikTok account and do videos of me getting my newly delivered Domino's pizza <laughs> <laughs> and doing dances with the car and, and 
other such fun things. So, okay, that was that was my tangent again because I, I can't stop. I can just see with, with, with a selfie stick with a robot of like first pizza from 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 Neuro. I, 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 I don't know how one of these robots would survive in L.A. I, I just I, I just don't know how that would work. <laughs> the answer is is no. <laughs> the answer is no. I, I, I think San Francisco would, would work. But but from 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 everything I hear about the traffic in, in L.A., I, I don't know how, how one of these robots would, would make it or, or like San Diego or or any of these. I'm like, I'm like, I, I don't know if, the, if these things would, would be successful in that area, you know, <laughs> Okay. Well, we will see. And we will see if we can catch anything um, in real time that we can then post after we see um, a heroic Domino's car go to save a uh, a cat in a tree or something like that, too. Um, Matt, do you have any advice for our audience for the week? I, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, on, on the heels of, of, of the loss of my of my dishwasher, um, I think... Uh... I think you should you should always appreciate those those uh, fine creature comforts like having clean dishes. So so that so that so that's my advice for the week. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm about to do. Is <laughs> the dishes piled up in my sink, and um, and the the last thing I ask everybody is to please subscribe if you like us. Uh, send us your questions and comments. We'd love to hear from you. And go eat some brunch and then change the world. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Brunch. Before we go, show some love to our podcast by leaving us a review. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter, or you can check out our website at sundaybrunchpodcast.org. You can also reach out to the podcast via email at thesundaybrunchpod at gmail.com. That email address again is thesundaybrunchpod at gmail.com. You can also leave us a voicemail, and this is for U.S. callers only, at area code 970-627-7445. Again, that phone number is 970-627-7445. Thanks again, and we hope you will join us next week.